Kentucky's bowl destination has been announced, and the Wildcats will play the Iowa Hawkeyes in the Citrus Bowl on January 1st. Everything you need to know about that matchup and more on today's edition of Locked On Kentucky. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be talking about the Iowa Hawkeyes as it has officially been, been announced. The Kentucky Wildcats will play in the Citrus Bowl against the Hawkeyes on January 1st. Here's how we're going to do it today. We're going to break it down from an overhead. We're going to break down their record. We're going to break down what they've accomplished this season. We're going to take a look at some of their numbers overall, offensively and defensively. And then in segments two and three, we are going to be breaking down the individual efforts from their offense first and then their defense second, just to kind of give you a full preview of what this team looks like and to give you an idea of what these guys have done so far this year. So that's how we're going to do the show today. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, also host of On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama, also writer for USA Today for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we're going to be taking a look at all things Kentucky Athletics. We want to thank you guys so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Also, want to remind you that we are free and available on all platforms. So, Kentucky is going to the Citrus Bowl. And as many Kentucky fans know, if you ever are just hanging out and you're hankering for some college football, you can go on YouTube and you can pull up Kentucky's win in the Citrus Bowl back in 2018 over Penn State. 27-24 was the final score there. The Kentucky Wildcats finished 10-3 and that season, and they're looking to finish 10-3 and this year. Again, they're going to be playing the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, interesting note here from a sea of blue. Neither program has ever won four straight bowl games, so history will be made in this contest. Whoever, regardless of whoever wins the Citrus Bowl, so Kentucky is riding a three bowl game uh, winning streak into this game, and Iowa is riding a three game winning streak in bowls into this matchup. So one way or another, somebody's going to get their fourth. Uh, they're they're going to get their fourth victory here on uh, January 1st. It's going to be at 1 p.m. Eastern time, Orlando, Florida. It'll be on ABC. It's going to be hype. I'm so excited about it. I personally previewed this. I believe it was last Friday. I believe we talked about this, and I talked about what I thought about Kentucky's bowl projections and what I thought about potentially matching up against Iowa or Wisconsin, who are the two most popular uh, projections for Kentucky. And I honestly thought, just off the rip, that if Kentucky plays a Big Ten team, it's probably going to be game over for said Big Ten school relatively relatively quickly. And today, we're going to be breaking down some stats here just to kind of give you an idea of why I was right, essentially. Well, it, it, I don't, I don't, it, the game hasn't happened yet. Obviously, there's a reason to play the game. But looking at it on paper, I think Kentucky is probably going to win this game or they're going to win it handily. And I'm going to break down some of the numbers here. So, the Iowa Hawkeyes, 10-3, and entering this Citrus Bowl. They are coming off of a 42-3 loss at the hands of Michigan in the Big Ten. 
Absolutely got steamrolled in that title game. However, this is the second or seventh time, excuse me, the Hawkeyes have won 10 games or more since Kirk Ferentz became the school's head coach back in 1999. He's been there forever. I believe he's only had two losing seasons in the in the uh, the years that he's been with the Hawkeyes. Really, really consistent. Epitome of consistency in college football, I like to say. Again, like I mentioned earlier, both Kentucky and Iowa uh, riding three-game winning streaks into in bowl games into this matchup. So somebody's going to win their fourth. Uh, this year. All right, some stats here for the Hawkeyes. They are averaging 23.9 points per game. That is 10th in the Big Ten, 96th nationally. And if anybody doesn't know, there are 130 Division I football teams. So whenever I reference something where it's like 96th nationally, 57th nationally, 21st nationally, 130 teams. So the average in college football is that 65th team. So if I reference a number and I say Iowa is scoring, like I just said, 23.9 points per game, 96 nationally, they are well under the average points per game scored in college football. So that's not good. The fact that they only score about 24 a game is not good. Well, you look at the defense, though, they're giving up 19.2 points per game. That's fifth in their conference, the Big Ten, and that's 14th nationally. If you're inside the top, I would say 40 or 30 or higher, I would consider you to probably probably be good or very good in that individual statistic. Again, well, I think it would depend on the number or the statistic rather, but I think the fact that it's 14th nationally, 19 points a game is uh, nothing to to scoff at. They average 297.5 total yards of offense, offense per game. That is 13th in the Big Ten. That is absolutely putrid. They average 177 passing yards per game, 8th in the Big Ten, absolutely horrendous, 119.8 rushing yards per game, 11th in the Big Ten. So you may be asking yourself, okay, I've already looked at some of these numbers, and first off, they have, they have, they win games by an average of four points, four and a half points, whatever you want to call it, and they they average less than 300 yards of total offense per game. How on earth did they go 10-3? and three? Well, just look at some of their defensive numbers, okay? So they give up 327 yards of offense a game. Not bad, fourth in their conference. 213 passing yards allowed per game. Six in the Big Ten. That's not that bad. 113.9 rushing yards allowed per game. Third in the Big Ten. All right, those are good numbers. I mean, defensively, they're not giving up a whole lot, but I will point this out. They're giving up more yardage than they're creating themselves. And so I think you still have to be asking the question, wait, so how on earth did this Iowa team go 10-3? and three? What was the reason? It was it because their their uh, their strength of schedule is bad. Well, actually, according to Sports Reference, their strength strength of schedule is tenth nationally. Their strength of record is twentieth nationally. So it's not like they played a bunch of bum teams. Although I will say, when you look at their schedule, I I would argue, coming from an SEC fan, that uh, it is it is not it is not a fantastic schedule. Whenever you look at some of the names that they have played, but I think the most important reason. Why the Hawkeyes went 10-3 and three is turnover margin. And turnover margin, what that means is I'm taking the number of turnovers a team has created, and I'm also adding to that the number of turnovers a team has committed, and then I'm averaging that out. So I'm saying your turnover margin is plus, like it, let's say in, in game one, you you create two turnovers. You get two interceptions as a team, and you don't have any turnovers. But in the next game, you yourself throw two interceptions, and the other team doesn't have any turnovers whatsoever. That would average out to be a net, a net zero turnover margin. 
Iowa's margin turnover margin is plus 14, meaning they have 14 more turnovers than they themselves have committed this year. That is second in the country, and that is first in the Big Ten. And in case anybody doesn't know this, there are 130 Division I schools. So if you're 65th or higher, that's above average, and that's pretty darn good. 14 plus 14 turnover margin, second nationally, first in their conference. That is very, very important when you look at a way, the way that offenses operate, because that allows a lot of short fields and that allows a lot of things to happen and things to come easier for offenses, even though they might be terrible. They forced seven turnovers and their 51 to 14 win over Maryland. I believe it was back in October. They are plus 11 in turnover margin, in games decided by 10 points or less. And I'm just going to run through the games that they have played in that were decided by 10 points or less. At Iowa State, they created four turnovers, so they were plus four. Versus Colorado State, they uh, created one turnover, but they also had a turnover themselves, so it was a net zero. Versus Penn State, four turnovers created, so they, they were plus three because they had a turnover. Iowa had a turnover of their own. At Northwestern, plus three turnover margin. Versus Minnesota, minus one turnover margin. They actually didn't have a turnover, create a turnover rather, but they had one themselves. Plus one against Illinois, plus one against Nebraska. There are only two games where Iowa did not force a turnover this season. They even forced one in the title game that they lost 42-3. to But two games where Iowa did not force a turnover. A 27-7 loss to Wisconsin and a 27-22 win over Minnesota in a game where they actually had a turnover. In Iowa's three losses this season, the Hawkeyes averaged 5.6 points per game and 235.3 yards per game. So the points is way under their average, and the yards per game is is slightly underneath their average. In those three losses to Purdue, Wisconsin, and Michigan in the title game, Iowa played the nation's 31st, First and 12th best defenses in terms of total defense or total yards allowed per game. Their turnover margin in those games, minus 5. So they were plus 11 in games that they'd won decided by 10 points or less. And they were minus 5 in their three losses. Minus 3 to Purdue, minus 3 to Wisconsin, and plus 1 against the uh, Michigan Wolverines in their title game. So those are some overall numbers from the Iowa Hawkeyes, just to give you an idea of how they've survived this season. It's not because of offense. It's not particularly because their defense has just been stout and they've been stopping people. It's the turnovers that they've gotten. It's been really, really important that Iowa has created turnovers this year. Because if they did not create turnovers, they would not be 10-3. and It would be way worse. And if you watch this team on film... If you watch the way that offense operates, which is absolutely putrid, you would think that they would be <laughs> maybe I would question in some of the games that I've watched of them this season if they, they that's even like a bowl caliber team because of how badly the offense operates. And I don't want to I don't want to sit here and hate on Iowa. I love the school. I love their traditions. I love the fact that Iowa at night is is just a a buzzsaw for opposing teams that are coming in. Uh, like when you've seen the games against Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State. It's like it's so difficult to win at night in Iowa. I love the atmosphere there. But you watch this team on film, and sure, they're disciplined, but that is just su- it's such a bad offense. They can't really do much as a team. They've just kind of had grit, and they've gotten some turnovers this season, and it's led to some wins. 
So we're going to talk about that offense and, and some of the issues that it has and some of the individual efforts that, uh, that the, uh, the team has on, this, on that side of the ball in just a second. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Prize Picks. All right, college football fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I absolutely love Prize Picks, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. Prize Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world, and they offer all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid major players you might not have ever even heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns to even interceptions thrown. All of the users that make a deposit using promo code LOCKEDON will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON whenever you make a deposit. You can pick two to five players in an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entries, which means you can take the over on the brawn combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the exact same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, guys. It's that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks, daily fantasy made easy. All right, so we took a look at some of Iowa's overall statistics, what they've accomplished this year. Again, 10-3 and three in the Big Ten. Uh, did absolutely nothing on offense this season and found a way to win because of turnover margin. So let's take a look at some of the notable faces on their offense, specifically three skill position players. And I want to just kind of give you an idea, or four, excuse me. And we're going to give you an idea of kind of what they do for this team. And uh, these are about to be some ugly numbers, so just brace yourself. All right, quarterback Spencer Petrus. Hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. Has a passer rating of 117.7, which is 11th in the Big Ten out of quarterbacks that have played at least 75% of the season. He has thrown for 1,169 yards, nine touchdowns, and six interceptions. He has a 56.6% completion percentage, and he has not thrown a touchdown since October 9th versus Penn State. He has four interceptions since that game and has not eclipsed 200 passing yards since that game either. So Spencer Petrus on a little bit of a decline. And why, you may ask, part of it, I believe, has to do with, with an injury. So I shouldn't, be, I shouldn't be laughing at his numbers, but I will say they are uh, pedestrian and mediocre at best. And uh, it, the fact that he has not been able to find uh, the end zone, find a receiver in the end zone since uh, that, that Penn State game, on October 9th, mm, that, is, that is tough. That is tough. Also, I do want to point out that all four of his picks came against Purdue in the following game. Uh, but I, I, it, since then, he is, uh, since that, that Penn State game, he has not really done much offensively. They've also played backup quarterback Alex Padilla. I hope that's how you pronounce his name. I'm an idiot. I don't know. Sorry. 636 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, has a 49.1% completion percentage. His two touchdowns thrown on the season came against Minnesota. Since that game, he's played three, three matchups. He has gone a combined 22 of 46 for 197 yards and two picks since 
that game. The passing numbers, like I mentioned earlier, they are collectively averaging 177 passing yards per game. These are the two guys that have done it. It has been absolutely abysmal. Neither of them can really get much going. And I will say, I will say this. I didn't watch all of the Big Ten championship game. I'd really need to go back and watch and see what they were doing in that game. Uh, but, but Alex Padilla came in. He was 10 of 15 after Petrus, I believe, had thrown an interception or something like that. So, so, so Alex came in, 10 of 15, and out of those 10 completions, he managed to put together 38 yards passing with a long of 17. So 21 passing yards came on nine completions. Every day I wake up and I have to remind myself I need to be thankful that that Liam Cohen is my offensive coordinator because I could not live in a world where that is what my passing offense was doing. I would lose my mind if I were a fan and that was what my team was doing. Nine completions for 21 yards. Nine completions. Nine completions. Meanwhile, Spencer Petrus, nine completions for 137 yards. And he had a 28-yard pass completion in the same game. Why was there such a stark contrast between these two quarterbacks? Either Padilla's got a noodle arm, or Spencer Petrus apparently just finds the guys downfield. One or the other. I mean, this is a really, really bad unit. I, there's no other way to put it. In my opinion, this is a terrible unit, and I want to bring it back to reality. These guys are 10-3. and three. This is a 10-3 and three school heading to the Citrus Bowl. Absolutely crazy to me. All right. Tyler Goodson, their running back, has done some good things for them this season. I'm so sorry to get – I may seem mad or frustrated. I'm entertained by the fact that the passing offense is this, this bad, and I'm just – I am energetic about the fact that this team is 10-3 and three and has made it this far in the season. Tyler Goodson, running back, 256 attempts, which is third in the Big Ten, so he's been run third most in the conference, 1,151 rushing yards. That's fourth in the Big Ten. And six touchdowns. Again, that's for Tyler Goodson, the junior running back. He averages 4.5 yards per attempt, which is 16th among Big Ten ball carriers. He averages 88.5 rushing yards per game. That's 7th in the Big Ten. He is 11th in the Big Ten in total yards per game at 107.9. So that's 4.9 yards per play. That's 30th in the in the Big Ten among players that, that have touched the ball. He has scored all but one touchdown of his six in the first three games of the season. His last touch- touchdown was on November 6th against Northwestern. He has had, however, 338 rushing yards over the final three games of the season, so that's uh, that's uh, 4.9 yards per carry against 4-7 and seven Illinois, 6.8 yards per carry against 3-9 and nine Nebraska, and then 2.8 yards per carry on 18 attempts versus 2-1 and one Michigan. Is this the time to to acknowledge the fact that Kentucky has a pretty solid rush defense? Let me pull it up here. They give up 117.8 rushing yards per game. Okay, so Iowa's bright spot on offense is going up against a really solid SEC defensive front. Just want to point that out. All right, final player here, and then we'll move on. Sam Laporta, the tight end, is their uh, leading receiver. 46 receptions, 14th in the Big Ten. 548 receiving yards, 17th in the Big Ten and two touchdowns. He has not scored a touchdown since September 25th against Colorado State. He had a season-high 83 receiving yards in the season opener against Indiana, and he actually had a season-high in receptions uh, against Michigan this past weekend. So some are, those are some of the uh, 
the these individual players on offense that kind of make this this offense hum. And I use that word very very kindly because I don't I don't think that this offense does anything uh, well at all. I'll also point out. Well, you maybe say like, oh, well, what about the offensive line? Don't shouldn't shouldn't there be uh, some good guys? Uh, performing on that well they are 92nd in sacks allowed per game nationally they give up two and a half sacks per game and they are 119th in tackles for loss allowed they give up about 7.3 tackles for loss per game Kentucky on the other hand 55th nationally in tackles for loss and 56th in sacks per game could we see this Kentucky front eat this team alive I think it's a possibility but anyway those are some of the individual efforts on offense and we will get to some of the individual efforts on defense in just a second. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues its march into the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head over to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Today's show also brought to you by Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar, Built Bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich, decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and extremely high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. They have so many different flavors like mint brownie, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, cherry, raspberry. They are all absolutely fantastic. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle the holiday shoppers. Are you friends with Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars in those stockings with so many different flavors they'd make anyone's christmas morning a happy one you like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays you need to get your hands on built bar puffs they're light fluffy and marshmallowy through and through with different flavors all covered in chocolate it tastes so good you won't believe that they're filled with protein go to built.com and use promo code lock 15 and get 15 off your first order again use promo code locked 15 for 15 off at built.com all right, so wrapping up the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Really appreciate you guys making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I've ranted and raved about the passing offense enough for this Hawkeyes team. I will go ahead and just go to some of the, the individual efforts on this defense, and then we'll wrap it up. Most important player MVP, in my opinion, Jack Campbell. The linebacker for Iowa is listed at six foot five, two hundred and forty-three pounds. Just an absolute mountain of a linebacker. Look at these totals: one hundred and twenty-six tackles for Jack Campbell. He has one sack, five pass deflections, two interceptions, one forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, and one of them he returned for a touchdown. Wow. Junior linebacker out of Cedar Falls, Iowa, six foot five, two hundred and forty-five pound Jack Campbell. If that is not just your typical 1990s Nebraska farm raised type of player, I don't know what is because he is the epitome 
of that right there. Some incredible production from Jack Campbell, and then he's got a linebacker standing right beside him that has been pretty darn fantastic this season as well. Seth Benson is a uh, is a junior linebacker as well. Six foot one, two hundred twenty nine pounds. He has ninety five total tackles on the season, two sacks, an interception, three pass deflections. Uh, and uh, he's been he's been pretty darn good as well. By the way, forgot to mention Jack Campbell had two picks. One of them was returned for a 32-yard touchdown. So those are the two guys that I'm really looking at, saying, "Wow, uh, they are um, they are scary." And then you look at their defensive backfield. I talked about the turnover margin. Talked about the interceptions. They've got some guys that know how to that know how to pick off a pass. Dane Belton, five interceptions. This season, only 43 total tackles, but five picks. Riley Moss has four interceptions. Name for, for a defensive back, Riley Moss. That's pretty darn cool. Uh, J- Jamari Harris, three interceptions, also another dope name. Matt Hankins does not sound like a defensive back. Three interceptions. Jack Coner, two interceptions. And then, like I mentioned, Campbell uh, has two interceptions. So their entire defensive backfield, two interceptions, three picks, three picks, four picks, five picks. These, these guys you do not want to mess with. Riley Moss has two defensive touchdowns. Jack Campbell has one. Absolutely insane. Just absolutely insane numbers from this, from this defensive unit. So while they may give up a little yardage here and there, they may not be the best. I mean, 19.2 points per game is not the, the most elite in college football. It's 14th nationally. I mean, it's really good, but it is not like it's not what Georgia did this year up until they played Alabama in the SEC championship game. But still, it's not like what Georgia did this year. It's not like it's the objectively the best defense in the nation. But let me tell you something. Those turnovers matter a lot when you're talking about field position and when you're talking about making things easy for your offense. In case you're wondering... Iowa has a net field position of 9.3, according to Football Outsiders, which is first nationally. First nationally. Kentucky 71st in net field position, if anybody was wondering. But that is how they've been able to sustain themselves, and they've been able to sustain games. They win the turnover battle, and they have fantastic starting field position. And whenever you average it out net-wise, still best in the nation. Best in the nation. So while their offense may be terrible at the defense, they know how to create turnovers. And man, does it lead to some great stuff. And those are some of the individual efforts there. I, uh, I'm, I talk about, not, not often, but I talk about just SEC talent as opposed to everybody else in the nation. Look, I don't want to mess with, with uh, Iowa's linebackers. Do not want to mess with Jack Campbell and Seth Benson. Those are legitimate, legitimate dudes. And then Dane Belton and Riley Moss. Those are, the, those are scary guys. Scary guys, and we've we know how how Will Levis has been turnover prone every now and then this season. Uh, do not do not want to go up against those guys, uh, especially if Will Levis is having an off day. But I will say this overall: if Iowa does not get those turnovers, which they've not been getting them as often as they were in the in the beginning of the season, people have figured out how to just kind of not turn the ball over against Iowa. If Iowa doesn't pick Will Levis off or make somebody fumble, Kentucky could run away with this one. I think that's more likely than not. I don't think this is going to be just a this is going to be incredibly dependent on Kentucky being able to just straight up play defense against this, against this offense and getting stops. I think it's going to be more about ball security, hanging on to the football, making sure that they don't turn it over and just kind of Let's bleed out this clock, man, because because I was not doing anything, and I would much rather just kind of hold on to it 
and and not not let anything let anything crazy happen. I think Kentucky may really put an emphasis on running the football in this game and testing that Iowa front that is really solid, really solid in stopping the run. But if it were me, I assume Kentucky will try this as well. Try and run the football and not put yourself in a situation where you have to potentially throw against the secondary because I don't want to do it. Do not want to throw against the secondary. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on, on Twitter at Daw Pound, D-A-W-E-P-O-U-N-D. And soon, guys, we're gonna get we're gonna get it set up to where y'all can actually text the show and y'all can y'all can DM me, y'all can ask questions. I'm, I'm really inter- looking forward to interacting with you guys and just seeing what y'all's thoughts are on this football team, on this basketball team, anything else going on in the Kentucky athletics world. I would love to hear your thoughts about it. All right, that's gonna do it for today's episode. Have a good one, everybody. Go Wildcats and God bless.